What are you waiting for? We're asking that question right now in, the, in each of our services for, the, for this month, thinking about that question, what are you waiting for? Maybe you're looking in your life and you see the next step. And, and maybe someone even says, what are, you, what are you waiting for? Why don't you just go ahead and do this? And maybe you're waiting for circumstances to change. You know, you know you need to find a new job, but you're thinking, well, when the job market improves, then I'll make a change. Maybe you're waiting for some courage to come into you, hoping that if you wait just a little bit longer, you'll feel stronger about that next move, that next step. Maybe you're just sort of waiting for somebody to give you a little push. For someone to stand with you and you know there's somebody behind you and, and going to share with you and whatever comes. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for in terms of your next step with Jesus? That's really what we're thinking about as a church. We talked about the first week baptism. We talked about just how important that is as a first step and, and really how that can be scary for some people. I mean, we have this sense of, well, what if, what if I jump into this and, and I fail? What if I make a commitment to Jesus Christ and then I just sort of blow it? What are people going to think of me? How are they going to look at me? And so we have this apprehension. We doubt ourselves. Maybe we even doubt whether God's at work in our lives. We have this fear of what's next, what's going to happen, what am I going to do to make myself look stupid? And so that all leads to a paralysis and we, we do nothing. What are you waiting for? Maybe you're still considering that step of baptism. Let me encourage you to keep praying about that. Keep searching Scripture about that. And if you come to the point that you're ready to make that decision to be baptized into Christ, let me know. Let one of our elders know. We want to see that happen in your life. We want to see you make that step, take that next step of following Jesus. Last week we talked about small groups, and really it's bigger than that. It's all about connecting with God and connecting with other people. And we have some apprehension about that too. You know, how am I going to change if I get connected with these people? What are, what are they going to think of me if I really open up? What if I don't fit in with those people? And let me just ask you, what are you really waiting for? Because all those things are important, but in the end, we all know that a connection with God is way more important than a few fears. And we know that connecting with other people will be vitally important when we get to difficult times in life. Maybe you're there today thinking, I wish I had some people, some Christians to stand with me in this. What are you waiting for? You can still sign up for that small group study we're having this fall. The cards are on the table right there in the back. Fill one of those out and drop it by the church office. We'll take care of that. We'll get you involved. But today, as we continue this series, what are we waiting for? What are you waiting for? I want us to think about something that's a little more personal. Maybe it's something we're uncomfortable talking about. Giving. You know, and I can already sort of see the eyes rolling. Here comes a preacher asking for money. Here we go again. All preachers ever do is ask for money, right? But giving is hugely important in the Christian life. And maybe there's some pushback from you today. That may be the next step in your Christian walk, your next step of faith, but you've sort of questioned it. Because, you know, lots of people don't really want to give because 
their money provides for them a certain amount of security. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen next week. Car could break down. We could have some kind of problem in our home. We could have health issues. And all those things require money from us. And if we have money, we feel secure. We feel like we're going to make it through that next bad thing that's going to happen. But when we start giving money away, our security is also given away. So maybe you've been resisting that next step. Maybe you've been afraid to take that next step because you're pretty attached to your money. Or maybe you've just never really planned to give. When the offering plate comes around, you know, if you've got a 10 or a 20, you'll throw it in. But you don't really think about, okay, what am I going to give to the church today before you ever leave home? Or when you're doing your bills or when you get paid or whenever it is you could think about those things. And so because there's not a plan, there's no real action. Or maybe like a lot of people, you think, does the church really they really need my money? I mean, do they need that much money to operate? Maybe you're not convinced. Could be other things swirling around in your head. Maybe you just never got in the habit. You were never taught. All those things could be there. And so it keeps us from taking the next step in our Christian walk, which for you might be giving. So what does Scripture have to say about that? Today I'd like us to turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Randy was in 1 Corinthians 9. We're in 2 Corinthians 9. And we're thinking a little bit about what Paul says to this church in Corinth about giving. And he says this, beginning in verse 6. He begins this way, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, that sounds a lot like a proverb to me. If you look back in the Old Testament in that book, Proverbs, right after Psalms, you see statements that sound very much like this. And, and they often describe as much the way the world works. It's a principle instead of a promise that this is just sort of the way things happen. Read through Proverbs, that's what you'll see. And it sounds like that's a little bit of what Paul is doing here. But he's saying, listen to this. You know, if we're really stingy, guess what? probably not going to be blessed. But if we are generous people, the word generous there, those who give generously, comes from the same word that we get blessing from. Some of the translations say give bountifully. That sounds more like it. Take what we've been blessed with and we want to bless somebody else. We want to bless the Lord. We want to bless people. And so we give in a blessing sort of really generous kind of way. And if we're that kind of people, the generosity is going to be there. It's a principle. How does that affect our giving? Verse 9, or verse 7, excuse me. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. Decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Three things he says there, three important things right there in one verse. Each of you should give what you have decided to give in your heart. In other words, make the decision. Make a decision to give. Because again, if we don't decide to give, if we don't say, okay, I'm going to intentionally do this, not just sort of whatever's in my wallet that I can spare at the moment, we'll never have a plan of giving. We'll never really give the way that God has called us to give. 
And then he says do it voluntarily, not under compulsion. You see, a lot of people think when the preacher gets up to talk about giving, what's he going to do? He's going to make us feel guilty, right? The goal is make them feel guilty so they'll give a little more. Well, here Paul says, don't give because you feel guilty. Don't give because you feel like somebody's making you give. Don't give because everybody else is giving and you want to fit in. Give not under compulsion. Give voluntarily. Give because you want to give. Give because you want to be that blessing, kind of bountiful, generous giver who's ready to bless somebody else the way you've been blessed. Be ready to give like that. And he says, because God loves a cheerful giver. That doesn't sound like somebody who's been forced to give. That doesn't sound like somebody who's been made guilty enough that they throw a little bit more in just to satisfy themselves and satisfy somebody who's asking for money. God loves a cheerful giver. That's the only time that Greek word is used in the New Testament. Cheerful. It's the word that we get our word, our English word, hilarious from. Now, I don't think that Paul is saying we need to be hilarious givers, but it's that kind of real sort of overflowing joy that we might find in helping other people, in blessing God, that kind of cheerful giver who's not just throwing it in because he has to, because somebody made him feel guilty, but because he's happy to give cheerful to give. Verse 8. How does God respond when we give? And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. When we give, God takes note. God is able Paul says, to bless us abundantly. God is able to provide for your needs and the needs of your family. God is able to take care of you. And sometimes we forget that. We want to take care of ourselves. We want to stand on our own feet, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. But Paul's reminding us that, you know what? The stuff that we have, well, it's not ours. It's really, ultimately, it belongs to the Creator, the one who made it all in the first place. So even though I may feel like I've earned this and therefore it's mine, I'm really just a caretaker. We sometimes call in Scripture a steward, someone who cares for belongings of another person. I am caring for, using what belongs to God. And he can continue to bless as he always has. Now, as we read that verse, it's been interpreted in lots of different ways. And some people will read that verse and then speak on it and say, well, here's the proof, right? God is able to bless you abundantly. All things, all times, all you need abound in every good work. You're going to have what you want. If you'll just give God is going to make sure you have everything you ever desired. That is not what this verse says. 
There's a couple purposes that are listed here. The first in this verse and then one in a couple verses later. He says he's going to give to us, but there's a reason so that we can abound in all the stuff we ever wanted, abound in the biggest savings account of anybody that we know, abound in a great stock market portfolio. No, abound in good works. So that we can use what God has given us to do something that matters. He continues that thought in verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Again, wow, it sounds like God's going to make me rich. Verse 11. You'll be enriched in every way so that. Here's the reason. You can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You hear that? It's not about me. It's not about accumulating the stuff that I like. It's not about accumulating wealth that makes me feel secure. God blesses and gives me really more than I need more than I could ask for, but why does he do it? So that I can abound in good works, I can do stuff that he needs me to do, and so that I can be prepared when the time comes to be generous. So when there's a need, I'm ready to respond. Wouldn't that be awesome? There's some of you today who are thinking, man, I really need to get my finances under control so that the next time there's a need... The next time something comes up, I want to be ready to give to that. And Paul says that God is amazingly generous, not just for our good, but so that we can be prepared to be generous with other people. The lesson I think we get from, get from this is really simple, and that's to give freely. Okay? That encompasses what we've been talking about, to give voluntarily, to give cheerfully, to give bountifully in a blessing kind of way because of the way that God has blessed us. And so we're ready to give like God has given to us freely, ready to open ourselves up. Now, How does this relate to church giving? Let's think about that for a minute. Because, you know, in our world, we have lots of opportunities to give, right? If you've ever given to a charity or a college or a camp or a mission organization or anything else, you know that you're going to have plenty of opportunities to give again because they're going to keep mailing you requests, right? It's going to happen over and over. You're going to be on their mailing list until you're with Jesus and then maybe even after that, okay? So what about giving to the church. I mean, there's so many good causes out there. So many groups that are sharing the message of Jesus or groups that are providing food or clean water for people who don't have it. Why should we give to the church? I think we give to the church because when we give to the church, we can do all of the things that Paul is talking about in the name of of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Because you see, when, when we as a church 
provide for people in need. Let's say we send out the backpacks each week now that school's starting, or we give something to the ministerial association to help people who have a specific need right at this moment, or give something to the food pantry, or we're sharing the message of Jesus. When we do all of those things, they should all be done not to give glory to this church, not to give glory to the person who takes the funds or that object or whatever's needed, not to give glory to that person who is the deliveryman. We do it to give glory to Jesus Christ. We do it so that people would be helped in the name of Jesus. So when we give to the church, we have opportunity as a church to do more in the name of Jesus, to share the message of Jesus through our missionaries around the world, to do good work in our community and in our state in the name of Jesus, to share the message of Jesus with people around us in our own communities in the name of Jesus. And so we give freely to the church, not just because of what the church is doing, which are some really good things. I mean, we have a mission as a church to love God and love others. And so often, one of the ways that we love God is we, we love His creation. We love His people. And so we're involved in our community. We're involved in caring for people. When we do that, we do it in such a way that gives the glory to God. That's what we want to do. Love God, love others. And when we love others, we do it so that God would be lifted up. It's all about doing God's work. And so for you today, maybe the question is, what's the next step? What are you waiting for? You say, how much should I give? Old Testament commands was always 10%. That was the minimum. Maybe that's where you can start. But let me encourage you to start somewhere. Not just to show up for church and if you've got an extra 20, fine, or an extra 10, or whatever's there. But next time you sit down to do your bills, think first, what can I do not to help the preacher? What can I do for the church so that God's name is lifted up. It was clear from the video that we give because there are needs out there, but we also give because Jesus died on a cross for our sins. We have received the greatest gift. God has been bountiful, given in a blessing kind of way already. And anything we do is a response to that. So think through that. Plan to give and then work that plan. Give freely. You know, when Paul talks about giving here, it's clear to me that he's talking about giving in such a way that we don't look back. Giving in such a way that we want to bless God and we want to bless other people and we don't say, man, you know, what I could have done, 
with the money I gave to the church last year. We could have had that new car or a good down payment on it. We could have done something really cool to improve our home. Maybe we could have gotten out of debt. We don't give like that. We don't give under compulsion. We give freely, saying, God, here's, here's yours. It's yours anyway. And I'm not looking back. I'm looking at what you're going to do with this gift. What are you waiting for? Let's pray together. God, you blessed us. And what we have is yours. And today we pray that you'll help us to give freely. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Sort of drive that message home. I've asked Michael St. Louis to come and share a little bit about his experience with giving. Michael? Many of you know me, and I know many of you. Um, my wife and I have been attending here for uh, 18 plus years. Um, but if I asked you a question, I said, okay, give, what's the one point in my life that's going to be the defining factor? Okay, and you can ask yourself the same question. What was the one thing in my life that, that really changed the direction that I was going with God? Now, some of you may think, okay, well, you know, the, 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 the day that changed your life for Jesus Christ was the day that you walked, the first day you came into the church and you sat right back there where Bill Siders is sitting. And I was fortunate because Ivan Trulock was right there in front of me and he was a great man. Now, that was a very important day in the Christian walk. That was the day that my wife and I decided, you know what, we're going to get on the Jesus bus, okay? Now, we were just on the bus. We were going for a ride. Well, and, and like as of a couple of weeks ago, there was a point where I decided I was going to get baptized. And so I got baptized, and it was right up here, um, the same city of Taylorville Water. Uh, Dick Wamsley did it. He held me down for a few extra minutes because they told him all the stories of, of when I was in the Navy, right? But that really, truly wasn't the defining factor in my life. Somebody would say, well, well, what about when you went to college? Uh, when you went to college and you graduated from LCU, and, and, and I was fortunate enough to uh, be called to preach for a couple years, and, and that was a great time in my life, but it wasn't defining. Nor was the birth of my children, which was the absolute greatest day in my life. But that, didn't, that wasn't the defining day in my life. The defining day in my life when it came to a Christian walk was, one day, 18 years ago, I was sitting right up there, or maybe right back there, I can't remember, it's been a while, you know how the memory fades as you get older, right Mike? And so, what happened was, is I heard a sermon, and the sermon basically was this. There was a single mom who had three daughters. And uh, they decided they wanted to make a conscious decision to give something to God, okay? And so what they did is they decided, the three daughters and the mom decided, we're going to cancel our cable TV and we're going to give that money to the church. And that was their way of trying to contribute to the kingdom of God. And my wife and I, we left that day and we got home and it was like, oh man, you know, we can do that. We can get rid of our cable TV, so we did that. We got rid of our cable TV, we canceled it, and we gave the $28 a month to the church. And that's all that we gave. 
It wasn't a lot, but here was the key. This is what made this a defining moment for us. It was the first time in our lives while we were on the Jesus bus, and rather than just going for a ride wherever it was going to take us, we made a conscious decision and said, No, God, you know what? We have such faith and trust in you. We're going to give, and we don't have any money. And we did. Now, because we gave, it changed our entire principle. It changed our philosophy. It changed the way we saw money. Money was no longer this thing that I was supposed to accumulate all my life. I was one of those kids that was, uh, as I was raised, it was he who had the most toys when they died won. And you have to have all the money that you can acquire, and it doesn't matter how you get it. That's how I was raised. Well, when my wife and I decided to start tithing and giving to God, that's when we realized that, you know, all of this money, it doesn't matter. Because if I die and it's all in the bank, then guess what? I lost a great opportunity to serve God. Now, 18 years ago, we changed the directions of our lives. We were going to just stay on the bus and just kind of kick it along and see where it took us. Now, I did ask a gentleman who I had lunch with this past week. I said, well, do you remember when you first tithed? And he said, oh, no, I've been tithing all my life. Well, come to find out it's a generational difference. Because where I was born and how I was raised... Church wasn't a part of it, nor was tithing. Now, he was born and raised in the church, so he's been on this perpetual curve. He's making a slow curve, and God's getting him to where he needs him to go, right? Well, my wife and I, we had to make that direct 90 to get there, yeah. But ultimately, what it comes down to is, no matter how many mission trips we've been on or how many sermons we've preached, it all falls back to one moment in our entire lives, and it boiled down to 28 bucks, a dollar a day. Yeah, it sounds like a Feed the Children commercial, doesn't it? A dollar a day can change your life, and it can change someone else's as well. But it's all for the good of the kingdom. Thank you. I want to give you an opportunity to respond this morning. We've talked about the gift that we've been given, that Jesus died on a cross for our sins. And the question is, how will we respond to that? And part of the response that we're called to give is to put our faith in Jesus Christ and to be baptized into Him. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. If you're still thinking about that, I hope you'll come forward and let me know today or catch me later. And, and we can talk about when that can happen, but we want to see you baptized into Christ. Or maybe you want to be a member of our church, to be attached to this group of people and share in community with this group of people. If you've made either one of those decisions, let us know. Come forward as we sing our, our invitation song today. Let's stand together.